This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Almost 12 months on from inflicting the same emotional damage on the red side of Merseyside. It was Ilkay making the Scousers cry once again on Sunday afternoon as the Germans double helped City to a 3-0 victory at Goodison Park. It's Monday the 15th of May. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm Andrew Detmer. And this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. This episode of the City Report podcast is sponsored by Discount Dragon. Just like Johnny Stones, we know that bargains get the blues excited and you can find all of the best brands at better value over on Discount Dragon. If you're a new customer, you'll even be able to grab yourself an extra £5 off any order that you place. So get over to Discount Dragon as quick as you can. UK only, terms and conditions apply. Chaps, welcome back. A brand new week and one where we've all got a massive smile on our faces and I can't think of a reason why. Um, Before we get into it, moment of the weekend as usual. However, Adam, try and make it non-football related if possible. Um, What if it's more local football related but didn't happen on the pitch? Is that niche enough? were, Were there 11 players in each team with a football? Uh, no. Oh, there was wow. not. In, in, in that case, crack on. It did not happen on a football pitch. Uh, I was making my <laughs> usual ritualistic walk from the Goose Hollow Inn to Providence Park last night for the, for the mm-hmm. Timbers game. Um, and I happened to just walk past one Diego Chara, arguably the greatest holding midfielder in MLS history. And uh, it was very casual. And it was one of those times where 
you see someone slightly out of context who is obviously quite famous and you would recognize them anywhere. But it was just enough out of context because I didn't expect to see him where I saw him. Even though it was right outside the ground, it mm. was enough out of context that I wasn't sure it was him. Um, but being the um, man of the media that I am, I didn't say anything to him. I didn't, you know, fanboy. I just let him take his walk to the ground, and then he uh, he ripped up Vancouver later in the night. So it was it was my moment of the weekend. I, I'm exactly the same. Whenever I see anyone of sort of slight notoriety. I just sort of come into a little bit of a shell. And I think I, I, we, we've heard so many stories about these people that like they don't want the sort of the hassle. I think there's a video doing the rounds of PK getting sort of asked for a photo at the at the Barca women's game. And it was like, you know, he's there. He's just he's just cracking about, let him live. And this isn't to say anyone who, who is asking famous people for photos is, is bad. But um, I'm the same as you. I just, you know, let him get on with the days. Let, let, let him get on with the day. Um, Andrew, moment of the weekend for you. So our UK listeners will be confused by this because I know John often struggles as someone who resides both uh, in the US but grew mm-hmm. up in the UK of the fact that Mother's Day occur at different times in both countries. But um, it was Mother's Day weekend, so spent time with my lovely wife and my parents and my sister, um, had a nice afternoon um, cookout, grilled some burgers, made some other great food that was going on after the city match. And then, uh, you know, to top off that wonderful afternoon, I... oh. Looked at my phone after a couple hours to uh, see the score line of uh, hey, Ryan three Arsenal nil, and I was like, I "Let's go!" No, I said no football-related moments of the weekend, and both of you have bloody messed it up. <laughs> I'll keep the tradition then. Um, over here, well, over here, basically in this continent and around the world, it was Eurovision weekend, and my my mother she put on a, a great show, a great party. We had people around. It was in Liverpool. Um, we had my auntie round as people, and, and we were. We're watching that, and I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed with the result, as is usual. Um, wasn't wasn't a great song. Uh, a bit of conspiracies whether or not Sweden were deserved winners, but hey ho, um, this isn't this isn't a Joe Rogan podcast, so we won't delve into that. Um, <laughs> right then, Adam, Manchester City three, Everton nil. I want you to, if possible, just sort of isolate the Arsenal game for a moment. We'll get to that. We'll sort of, you know, we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit later on. As for the City game, full-time whistle goes, Pep Guardiola over to the away end, which was, as usual, bouncing, as you can imagine. He um, gives up the two fingers, two more matches to go, and that's what it was at the time. Obviously, that's changed. But what were your thoughts sort of at full-time? Because it felt, for me, even though it was quite rudimentary, the performance and the result in the end, but it felt, as that final whistle goes, it was like, <sighs> right, that was possibly the biggest hurdle of the season left to go yeah it, it did have that feeling which is interesting because of the f- the last four games you could probably look at Everton as the weakest opponent but it did it did have that feel of just get through this and and you're on the other side of the hump um it, it was a weird one because you look at the score line three nil you look at the quality of the goals some some fantastic goals and you think it was one of those days when City just ran away from things uh, fr- from Everton, but that wasn't really the case. You know, I think the first goal was scored in maybe the 38th minute, somewhere around there, and probably 35 of those minutes, I was sweating bullets. Um, so it's very much one of those games in a title run in where the performance doesn't really matter; the result matters. It, it was slightly reminiscent of the. Of 
the 2018-19 title run in where you know we had that 1-0 against Burnley, the 1-0 against Leicester, which obviously those were far more tense because City didn't at any point have a 3-0 lead. But for most of that first half, it really felt like things could have gone poorly. Um, but huge credit to City that they needed to rely on some individual brilliance and and they found the brilliance that they needed and pulled away and got the result. Yeah, certainly. It, it, it was a weird game. That first half, certainly in the stadium, felt like City weren't necessarily matching the occasion. And I'm not here to sort of pick on people, but uh, Julian Alvarez was one player I was looking at going, yeah, that fellow looks like he's sort of, he's he's coming on the back of what would have been for him 18 months of straight football. And, and he's obviously been sort of planted in that Kevin De Bruyne auxiliary central attacking midfielder role and he's not really quite matching it just yet who would match it it's Kevin De Bruyne's shoes you're filling but there's a few other performances Rodri I keep saying he looks tired and I really 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 could do with him getting some rest if I'm to if I'm to have some more calm nights in my sleep but Andrew it was sort of that that double that that quick fire double I always find is like the best sort of moment to sort of just just in general, it doesn't matter if it's before half time, if it's after half time. When you score two in such quick quick succession, it completely dampens the home atmosphere. It completely dampens the opposition. And what a couple of goals it was as well. Let's start with the Ilkay Gundogan one. He said on match of day to the uh, to the interviewers afterwards that it was a moment of impromptuness. It was sort of a complete improvisation. He didn't mean it as such, but if any player has the ability to do something like that, it's Ilkay Gundogan, and he is almost in these sort of last couple of weeks of the season proving to the Manchester City hierarchy just why he should be getting a contract extension. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting you talk about improvisation and that him, him saying that, but maybe not meaning it, but I think actually he does because the thing that makes Ilkay Gundogan the player that he is that has made him the important player to City is that he was Pep's first choice because Pep knew that he knew how to play the way that Pep wants him to play. And what that means is, is that Ilkay Gundogan knows where to be and when to be and how to judge the game. Like He knows. And so at that point, he just doesn't worry about anything else. And he just follows that instinct because it's been drilled into him. It's why he is so often in the right place at the right time. And so he was in the right place to get that ball. And he just knew, okay, well, if I've got to put this in, like the best way to do that is just to try this. And he didn't have any worry about it because he knows I'm in the right place. If I miss, it's not because, you know, I did something wrong. It's just that mm. this wasn't the exact right chance to score, but this was the right place to be. And so, yeah, he, you know, buries that chance. And I think that takes a little bit of air out of Everton's tires. And then Erling Holland just smashes through any <laughs> remnant of willpower they had. And just, I mean, at that point, that, that was goodbye Everton. They, you know, that match was done at that point other than needing to be, you know, the rest of it played out. On Dixie Dean's own turf as well, dear me, Erlin, <laughs> how dare you? Um, but but yeah, it is interesting. I was watching the highlights just before we hopped on and it, it, it showed on Match of the Day, I don't know on the sort of the YouTube highlights, I, I assume it didn't because they're, they're more condensed, but it showed on Match of the Day and, and just about five minutes before, Gundogan tried a similar sort of chance, but he, he I think he got penalised for pushing the back on one of the defenders. So obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he, he said that he didn't mean it as such, but like you say, he's a player of 
incredible intelligence and has obviously noticed, you know, if the ball gets played into him with his back to goal, he, he can spin the defender with a nice touch. And, you know, what an absolutely incredible finish it was. Almost Haaland-esque. But just on the wider point, Adam Ilkay Gundogan, obviously his contract is due to expire at the end of the season. Reports claiming that, and you know, we're not, in the nose, but we do know some people and the, the whispers we've been getting are that it's done and dusted and moved to Barcelona is expected unless something can be pulled out of the bag from City in the coming weeks. It, just how big of a miss would it be? Because he, he he's a sort of player I find who, Andrew mentioned he was Pep's first signing, but the, the player Pep Guardiola signed in 2016 is no longer the player that Ilkay Gundogan is now. He's had so many evolutions. You know, you think to 2020-21 when he was City's top goal scorer and he was this sort of false nine arriving late in the box scoring goals and he's still doing that but he's much more, he's, he, he's a bit of a linchpin now in that midfield and even before that he was a box-to-box midfielder. It, it, for me, it seems ridiculous. If Ilkay, Ilkay Gundogan is asking for a two-year contract, give it to him. Like, what's the, what is there to lose? Is that short-sighted from me? Am I missing something? Because it, it seems like a no-brainer. No, I, I completely agree. Extending him would be a no-brainer. I think, uh, I'm hoping that in the coming days or weeks that we get a bit more information and, and someone sheds a bit more light on the situation and kind of specifies exactly what the club wants and exactly what Ilkay Gundogan wants. Because if it's a personal thing that, any offer from City, he'll turn down because he wants a new adventure. Fine. He's on the other side of 30. Mm-hmm. He's played in Germany. He's played in Champions League finals, you know, World Cups. He's he's won it all at City. Hopefully, truly has won it all by the end of this season. Um, and, you know, he may just he may just want a new adventure. If the situation truly is that he wants a two-year extension and the club are only willing to offer him one, um, I, I would like... Caldoun and and Cheeky and Ferran Soriano to come out and explain why they're not willing to offer him another 12 months. I mean, I, I don't see the downside to it. The size of the squad right now allows City to have breathing room and extending some of these older players that maybe we're not quite sure when they may hit their wall, if they hit their wall, Kyle Walker, uh, Ilkay Gundogan, a- anybody kind of around that age and in that, that contract zone. Um, because the squad's not very big. So if you want to recruit in the position, the squad gets bigger, that's fine. You don't have to get to this point where we're now in late May and we're begging for substitutions mm. because players are falling over themselves from fatigue. You can make the squad a little bit bigger the way it was maybe in 2017 to 2019. Um, so yeah, if the situation is that he just wants an extra year, that's silly, aren't silly? Well, that's a little Freudian slip because it would be very silly of City to not <laughs> offer him that that, uh, that extra done. year. Nicely done. Um, but it, it may just be a personal thing. So I think some more information will probably come out on the situation. Uh, I think that's an important point. The fact that City is still in a treble hunt, and I've always said for the sort of the past month or two months, as soon as City and hopefully touch what it doesn't happen slip up and they lose the chance to win one of the trophies, one of the bigger trophies, I reckon that's when we'll get the sort of the the avalanche of news regarding contracts, Bernardo Silva, Ilkay Gundogan, Laporte, you know where they're going, where the future lies, etc. But I think if I'm to speculate. I would probably suggest this is how it looks. Ilkay Gundwan wants to stay for two years. That's the report that Sam Lee put out saying that his family wants to settle down. They want to sort of have clarity over the future. They've had an offer from Barcelona. They've got two years there. You know, Barcelona, you can probably go for two, three, four years, the, the sort of the speed of La Liga. City, 
I would imagine wouldn't be hesitant to offer the two years. However, they would be hesitant to say in year two of that two-year contract, we cannot guarantee you the same amount of minutes that you would want in year one, which we could give you because you're a top quality player, but we would be fearful of the drop-off and then the rebuild we would have to do there on in. I don't know if that seems like a a logical standpoint, uh, Andrew, because obviously there's been very little news regarding this, which as as Adam says, made it a little bit difficult to comprehend. I I know that Jack Ahan has reported that it's not just down to the length of the contract. And I can't imagine, particularly, I think, as Adam alluded to, let's say Gundogan walks away at the end of the season as a treble winning captain. Mm. I, I could imagine that the allure of going to Barcelona, which is a phenomenal city, a historic club, mm. a club that he probably identifies a lot with, given his love of you know Pep Guardiola and the style of football that he plays I can see the appeal of that beyond just, oh, the length of time on the contract is longer. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's going to come down just to that. Um, I frankly also think that City's board are smart enough that it can't just be, oh, the only reason this player won't sign is because we won't give him a two-year. We could find a way to give him a two-year. like that. I, I have faith that if the club wants him, I think the club will keep him. I think it may be a question... Uh, sorry, if Gundogan wants to stay, I think the club will find a way to make that happen. I think if he wants to leave, that's why he will leave. Um, And I will be sad to see him go because he, I think, will go down as, I think, properly rated, but maybe we will not talk about him in the light that we should um, because he doesn't necessarily do things that are as often glamorous as some other players who do get the plaudits. But I love the man, and I just... God, please stay, man. Like I, I just I can't imagine not seeing him walk out on a pitch next year. Like that's just I, I'd be heartbroken if he left. To take a little bit of a positive spin on the potential of him leaving, I think it's worth mentioning that he would be just another player in a long line of players that we look at and say, "How do you replace him?" And all of those players have been properly replaced and even upgraded in some situations. So I think there would have to be some sort of faith in the hierarchy of the club if they were to potentially let him go after this season and the season that he had last year. To have some faith in the club that they have a plan and they Mm -hmm. understand what they're doing. They're going to fully understand what they're losing. But if they have the feeling that they can replace him, whether it's from players that are out on loan, somebody in the transfer market, whatever it may be, um, I think that city as a club have shown have given us every reason to trust them in easing out these players that we consider to be legends. Yeah, I I guess the fear though, as has been alluded to, is the fact that it might not be a footballing decision from the board and it might come down to emotions, it might come down to personal opinion, in which case, similarly with Bernardo Silva in the last few years, when we've looked being on the brink of losing him, despite him obviously having well, he hasn't downgraded because he's still here, but had he left, he'd have been downgrading. It wouldn't have been a footballing choice. It would have been a personal choice. And I think that's probably where that little bit of maybe resentment, maybe fear comes into play. Look, who knows? He could he could win a treble. And in, in which case, he can sail off into the sunset and we can all be happy and it, and it ends perfectly. He might not. And he might stay another couple of years. That's to come. Um, Adam, quickly before we go, then we have to speak about him as he's sort of contractually obliged at this point. Erling Haaland, 
like I said, on Dixie Dean's own playground. He, he pops up when City need him. And I think, um, actually, Everton out xg City in this game, if that's a phrase I can use. And again, it's an, it's sort of reiterating that point, isn't it? The fact that City have Erling Haaland there because they're going to create five chances and score three goals. And in a game like this, at Goodison Park, in the title running, for City to come away with three goals, obviously we spoke about the brilliance of Gundogan, but in part down to Haaland as well. We had a pretty quiet afternoon, it has to be said, apart from that chance, is... It, it, it's dreamy, isn't it? It's stuff we've never, ever, ever been able to appreciate. And suddenly, when it matters, we are getting the sort of the joys of having a fifty-goal striker. Yeah, it's 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 incredible, and I think this has become a little bit of a of a city cliche this season. But that that did very much feel like one of those games that potentially Pep teams of the past don't win. At least they don't score three in. Um, it was another another game in a long list of games this season in which City didn't play that well. They didn't create massive flurries of chances, but when they got their chances, they were ruthless because I think it's got to be mentioned that Erling Holland has kind of um you know trickle trickle down economics might not work, but trickle down ruthlessness <laughs> seems to be working for the City side because it seems to have he he seems to have made players that weren't so ruthless before absolute killers in front of goal, <laughs> and he's he's not the only he's not the only one he's not the only one that scoring economics. <laughs> he is not the only one that is ruthless in front of goal this season. There are mm-hmm. uh, there's a long list of players that in the past haven't been ruthless. Jack Grealish is one of them. He he takes his chances now when he when he gets them for the most part. So. Um, his effect on the squad in general to have that sense of goal is incredible because now City don't need to create 15 chances to score the one, two, or three. They need to they need to create four to score the three. And it's incredible in games like this where you aren't playing your best. You're not, you know, at your peak. But you you come away with three goals and the and the clean sheet to to top it off at the other end is is just an absolute bonus as well. You know, or Adam, it's interesting. You mentioned the taking their chances because the the stats of this match are fascinating because one Everton actually created more expected goals than City uh, by more than double they had one point seven eight City only had point seven six now also the City didn't take a shot after the sixtieth minute in this match and Amos I'm just curious you being in the ground watching mm. it what I kind of saw was once that third goal went in it everyone kind of down tools from city's perspective of like, let's just kill this off. Is Mm. that how it felt kind of in the ground or did Everton fans feel like, or the atmosphere feel like maybe we, if we get a goal back, we can get into this or were they as kind of just over it at that point as this kind of, I felt on TV. I, I think you mentioned it, Andrew, in the um, preview show, actually the fact that the, the people who hate playing at Goodison the most are the Everton players. And, and, and it did feel a bit like that. At three okay. 0 like the the apathy seeping through from the um from the home crowd, and it was interesting on the train up sideways. I can't quite get my geography right. I think it's sort of to the <laughs> to the left a little bit. Um, but the, on the train to the left, um, to the match, there, there were a few Everton fans from Manchester, and they were saying, you know, oh, I fancy us today. I fancy us getting a goal. I fancy us getting a win. Sorry, and I'm thinking, dear me, God, it, it could be one of those days for City. Blah blah. blah. But I think when you sort of you blitz a team like that in that short period, it it just saps both either side of half time. It just saps 
any sort of energy and momentum that they had. And it, it really did feel like in the ground, as soon as that third goal went in, done and dusted. I think, I think there was a couple of chances Everton had from corners, um, one which... Edison was given as a save and he just certainly didn't touch it and they could have scored again after the sort of the resulting corner. Other than that, you know, as as comfortable as it gets. And it led nicely, it has to be said, to the late game in the in the Sunday afternoon calendar, which after this short break, we'll get on to. It's fair to say City love themselves a bargain and there's been no better than Julian Alvarez in recent years. £50 million, what a steal. But if you fancy grabbing yourself an Alvarez-style bargain, then head over to Discount Dragon. With an array of food and drink products to choose from, you, the listener, can shop for the best high street bargains straight from the comfort of your own home. Discount Dragon is the place to find all of the best brands at better value and new customers can even get an extra £5 off all orders. UK only, terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you are new around here, please, if you can, hit follow, hit subscribe on whichever podcast platform you are listening along on. Um, Adam, a, a good day was made all the greater, it has to be said, by that Brighton result. If you haven't heard by now, Brighton free, Arsenal nil at the Emirates Stadium as well. This wasn't the day that City won the title, but it could have been the one where, or, or at least it should be the one where Arsenal lose it. Yeah, I think that's the case. Um, I think I, I certainly said at some point on the podcast in the in recent months that if if City just get ahead of Arsenal and and it's with within City's own hands to win the title, I think they win it by ten points. I, I never got the feeling that if if Arsenal had a slip, that they would be able to recover and take it to the final day. And it looked like maybe they could. Obviously, they go to Newcastle and they get a really impressive victory there, a very hard place to go. Um, But you just started to get the feeling in recent weeks that they were crumbling. And I think this is the the final pieces of of the crumble. it's not even so much as the result because I think Brighton are a fantastic team. Everyone knows Brighton are a fantastic team, but it's it's just the the manner of the result and and the dejection that you kind of felt seeping out of the Emirates. That feels like the first time this season, maybe that three three against Southampton. But then again, they fought back to to mm-hmm. get a point in that game, and there was still a bit of positivity. But on, on the whole, the Emirates has been a pretty positive, united place this season. And that was the first time you truly felt dejection seeping out of that stadium. Mm. Um, and I think now more than ever, I stand by that idea that City could win this league by double-digit points. I, I, there's a chance that Arsenal don't win another game this season. I think they're that they're that down. Possibly. I think it would depend on when City get the title wrapped up um i think if it's done and dusted by next week and then they sort of brush themselves down a little bit and maybe go out on a little bit of a high obviously they've secured second place at minimum um they've still got a chance to finish first it has to be said albeit diminishing and and andrea i'll throw this to you because there was a an interesting quote it has to be said from Mikel arteta at full time and he was asked sort of what's gone wrong, basically, sort of post-international break, which is when they've dropped the majority of the points. In fact, without actually having the numbers in front of me, I'd guess it is 
as good as most of their points dropped this season have come in that second, sorry, post-international break compared to pre um, the, the April one. And, and Arteta said, basically, you, you, you cannot do what we did in the second half versus Brighton. If the team is capable of doing that when it comes to the biggest stage, there are a lot of things that are wrong and that we have to think about and analyse, which was pretty stark, wasn't it, really? Um, considering that, you know, Arsenal have, have looked, albeit maybe the numbers haven't pointed towards it, but the performances have looked imperious. And they've certainly, in most matches, you know, that Newcastle game, a perfect example, they get battered by Newcastle, but they pop up with two goals, two pretty, you know, one impressive goal outside the box, Murdergaard, Martinelli gets a sort of an own goal, ricochet, etc. You know, that's the look you need in title challenges. And for me, a lot of the time, it felt like they were going to trundle the way to at least sort of extending the title challenge as much as they can. But as Adam says... They've just fallen in on themselves, fallen in on themselves, and it's um, from our point of view, it's absolutely delightful. Well, as the uh, conductor of the Arsenal uh, aren't real train uh, from the beginning of the season, <laughs> is, that a, uh, is that another conspiracy theory? It's like Australia, <laughs> Australia, <laughs> Australia, and Arsenal aren't real. I mean, hey, they both start with the letter A. <laughs> maybe, maybe the three of us aren't real. Who knows? Oh yeah, true, um, Jesus. But to me, I think the issue and what I always said about Arsenal, it was two things. One, it was a lack of quality and depth, which I think you have started to see towards the end of this race, because one of the reasons they have been worse is that their best players have been players like Saka and Martinelli through most of the season who are too young to play the minutes and be where they are right now and be able to last. I mean, they're just they're not ready yet, which is completely fine. It's not a judgment. It's just that's. You know, you cannot have a team that young and expect to not rotate and have that go well. But the second thing is they don't have a squad mentality-wise to handle this title race. And for me, that was always going to be their issue. And even when people pointed, oh, well, we gave them Gabriel Jesus and Sinchenko, who you know, know what it's like to be in a title race. Yeah, but those guys weren't the leaders of the title race. They weren't the ones keeping... Heads calm. In fact, Zinni was the one who needed his head calm down half the time that we were in title races. And I just looked to the quote from Odegaard at the end of today's match where he says, it feels like there's no hope now. Him saying that is the reason why they never had a chance. Because if you can still win it and you come out and say that, that just says, yeah, I gave up. Like, it's not about what the other team did. It's not about about what City did other than that they probably to a way feel like they couldn't have ever beat City and so that's what caused them to collapse in on themselves but they never actually believed that they could do it and so that's fine when you're out front leading but if you're neck and neck with City or slightly behind City and you don't believe that you can do it then you're not going to be able to do it because you're going to self-actuate your own failure into existence and to me that's what Arsenal did this the end of the season. I think the the gulf in mentality is is so evident in the fact that I know we all kind of make fun of of Liverpool for having the tagline mentality monsters in in years past but you do have to give Liverpool credit in the fact that yes they came up short on so many occasions but they still got the 97 points they still took it to the final day when city when they slipped and city passed them in in title races on multiple occasions they still took it to the final day last year won their game against wolves and and get what 92 points um that's the difference between the level that city are at that liverpool team was at and the level that arsenal need to get to is that 
they do have the ment- mentality to deal with three draws in a row. Can you imagine the response if Liverpool 2019 had drawn three games in a row? They would go on an absolute tear for the next two or three weeks. They, they would, and, and City would do the same. They did it earlier this year. They, they what, lose away to Tottenham? That was a bit of a wake-up call. And they're, they're unbeaten since then. So I just think the, the golfing mentality has just been so evident. And, um, you know, I think probably if you're Arsenal, the thing you're trying to do in, in, in the summer is to get a bit meaner and bring somebody in, multiple players in who know how to deal with the situations. And there was obviously the talk of, well, Jesus has won titles and Zinchenko has won titles. But if you were to pick out anybody from the city squad, to to bring to your club to say that's the guy with the mentality I want is it Zinchenko? Yes, he he had a great personality. He you know he was mm-hmm. a, a big motivator and and all that. Is it Jesus? It's a guy that when his mom left town, he stopped scoring goals. <laughs> it's a it, that that was a fact for like years. He he stopped scoring goals when his mom would go back to Brazil. So I, I think that's that's just the mm-hmm. difference between the clubs at the moment. Is it vindication then to sort of hone in on Zinchenko? And we don't want to be, you know, this isn't a pile on. This isn't, you know, Arsenal have bottled it, blah, blah. I hate hate that word bottled, you know. Yeah, I I want to be clear. I adore those two players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely adore them. It's just, we kind of, we have to call a spade a spade. Yeah. Yeah, um, because you know, because at the start of the season, a lot of people were saying City were wrong to to let those players go. And again, to go back to it, I hate the word bottle. The the youngest team, or sort of the youngest title challenging team in decades, have got a great young manager. They've got some really good young players. They push City hard. City should have won the league at the start of the season, and you know, look like they will go on to win the league. But is it vindication then, Adam? In that in that sense, that Zinchenko, who a lot of people when City were trailing were saying. And then non-City people were saying that is a bad mistake from City. They've let one of the best left backs in the league go, blah, blah, blah. But we've seen, obviously, he was injured against um, against Brighton. But we've seen in the last few weeks, he's been replaced by Turney, who, who for my money, is a better left back anyway. But it, it, it feels like, I don't know, maybe we're sat here with our cigars and our nice little bit of sherry going, yeah, we were right all along, like the, the grumpy old men we are. But we were right all along, weren't we? I think there was a bit of of recent nostalgia playing into people saying, oh, it's going to be a big mistake to let players like Zinchenko go. Zinchenko was never a player that that truly influenced the team with what he did on the pitch. It mm. was that for a player who didn't play all that much in a squad littered with superstars, he had a fantastic mentality to be able to step in, do a job when he was needed, and never kick up a fuss when he was on the sideline for long periods of time because Cancelo is is balling out on the left or Kyle Walker is 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 you know playing on the right or or he can't get into the midfield. But that's not the player that Arsenal need to take them over the line to win titles. It's not somebody that had a great mentality when they were a substitute. It, it's somebody that is going to elevate the players around them. Um I think Jesus mm-hmm. is probably more along that line from a mm-hmm what he gives you on the pitch. I think he was an absolutely massive upgrade from from what they had before. And it is clear that it is a massive downgrade from Jesus to Eddie Nketiah or even Trussard when he plays through the middle. Um, but no, it's 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 not insane for, for us to look back and say, well, it was never really an issue to let those two go because Zinchenko more so than, than, than Jesus. But 
they weren't necessarily players that had an irreplaceable impact on things that City did on the pitch. Yeah, and and on the, on the Jesus one, obviously it was an incredible buy for Arsenal at that price point. City got decent profit for a player who was going to be at this, you know, in 2023, in, in May 2023, he was going to be out of contract. You know, City would have lost him on a free. They managed to bag about 40 million quid, which is fantastic. It funded pretty much all of Erling Haaland's transfer fee at least so you know who who won there you can make an argument but it was a great it was a great sort of improvement for them however he's not a killer Zinchenko as well you know a great improvement but he's not a killer these were City's squad players and there's a reason they were they were allowed to leave because you know if they were that important to City they'd have been have contracts slapped down on the table and and you know it is fair play to Arsenal they've been fantastic and there's still a campaign to be run in the final two games you know they could still win the league Andrew but um sort of Obviously, City can now go on and win the title next week against Chelsea. It could be done by the time we get there, should Nottingham Forest beat Arsenal, which is, I suppose, wishful thinking, but they're in a relegation scrap themselves. Hopefully, they've got something coming. How important do you think it is then to wrap that City get the title done and dusted before those final two games of the season? So they have, hopefully, you know, again, touching wood, fingers crossed, a Champions League final to look forward to after an FA Cup final. And we can go into the the Brighton and the Brentford game, which I've always said are some of City's most difficult games of the season remaining, without having to really put out the strongest team. They can rotate, they can rest players and get prepared for what hopefully will be two finals to come. So I'm I'm of two minds on this because one, I do think for purposes of rest and just emotional drain, it probably is helpful to have everything mm-hmm. wrapped up for those final two games. However, um, as a, a fan of the uh, long-suffering Indianapolis Colts, who were <laughs> one of the most dominant teams of the 2000s when it came to the regular season and many a time, wrapped up their playoff spots so early that they could rest mm. all the starters the final game of the season would have a first round bye in the playoffs and then they would come out and get absolutely creamed by a team that was of much lower quality had much worse players but they were in form and they mm. you know had belief because they'd been playing whereas our guys had been on the beach for two weeks <laughs> um i'm somewhat fearful or worried about if what happens if we just can kind of treat two weeks of the season is a bit of a party. Um, I don't think under Pep Guardiola that's likely to happen, but I do think that there it's not all positives to winning the title that early with, mm. uh, you know, FA Cup final against United looming. Although maybe that does help. I, I'm not, I think I do lean that it's better to not have to worry about needing anything from those two matches um, because mm. those are both incredible teams. Um, Thomas Frank and, Bezerbi are two of the best managers in the Premier League, and they play incredible football that I want nothing to do with if City have to get points. Um, So, yeah, I think it'll be better. I do, though, wonder for both of you, which is a funnier outcome? Raheem Sterling has to watch his teammates lift the trophy because we beat them on Chelsea's pitch, or Raheem Sterling has to give City players a guard of honor walking out <laughs> onto the pitch because Nottingham Forest beat Arsenal. Because I think it's actually the first one. I think the guard of honor is funny because I will absolutely put out a tweet about how expensive Chelsea's guard of honor is. <laughs> oh, oh wait, wait, Is it the most expensive guard of honor in Premier League history? Oh, 
Are they oh. going to compare Guard of Honours from that point? Like they do benches. Like this Guard yes. of Honour costs more at Brighton. This Guard of Honour was three hundred million pound less than the Chelsea Guard of Honour. When City Adam, Chelsea and Chelsea are involved, absolutely, there will be a Sky Sports tweet <laughs> yeah. with with comparing Guards of Honour. Yeah. Even if they look, if they, even if no one else does it, if we get that opportunity, we have to do it now because one, it'll be a billion pounds. Their Guard of Honour is going to cost a billion pounds. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I mean, scary. just just picking up on what Andrew said, I I think you get it wrapped up as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. there's absolutely no chance of motivation being dropped when you've got an FA Cup final against your bitter rivals in Manchester mm-hmm. United, and potentially a chance to win the treble in a Champions League final the week after that. I mean, Ooh. if that doesn't motivate top level footballers, nothing will. Absolutely nothing will. So, yeah, you get it done as quickly as you possibly can. Well, we'll know if City make it to that Champions League final um, by this point in about 72 hours. And and our attention after today switches towards that. Tomorrow we'll start our previewing of the Real Madrid game. So if you haven't already, like I said, follow, subscribe. Um, Andrew, thank you very much. That was a lot of fun. And uh, it's, it's good these episodes, isn't it, when City win and Arsenal don't? Absolutely. Great talking to you, gents. Adam, big, big week as usual. I'm excited. I've got the jitters. I've had the jitters for about two months now and it's sort of just gradually increasing, increasing, increasing. And I'm hoping now we're in the final stretch. These are the trophy-laden days to come. Yeah, it's a a nervy time. But I think, um, you know, as City fans these days, we're used to the nerves turning out to be positive nerves in the end. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm holding on to that for now. How very zen. Um, Fantastic stuff. Chaps, like I said, follow, subscribe if you haven't already. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 